0: to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. We're in a series called Read, and it's been a good one, man. Tony did a great job last week. I mean, look, I know it's, it's funny. Sometimes um, Sometimes there's a part of me that says, like, I want to be apologetic to people about a bunch of, bunch of practical information, but too long, we've gotten just the theory and not the practicum. They've told us, this is what the Bible says, but they haven't really told us how to do it. And so I love messages that actually tell you how the rubber meets the road. It's worthless if you walk out of here and you're like, well, that was, I mean, that was encouraging, but like, what am I supposed to do now? Okay, pray the armor. Like there's some specific things that he gave you. And so I was excited about that. So far, we've renewed, we've recommitted, we've reapplied. Well, today we're going to reposition. Amen. I want to read to you the parable of the sower. Maybe you know this one, the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3-9. through 9. It says this, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away." Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Don't, don't worry, y'all, if you ain't producing as much grain as a person to your next, Maybe you are thirty. And thirty, Jesus loves the thirties just like he loves the hundreds, okay? You hear what I'm saying? He who has ears, let him hear. Now, Jesus often spoke in these parables for the purpose of delivering these perspective-shifting pieces of information, and he did it in a metaphorical way, and he did it in a cryptic way, okay? Now, the metaphors are because it helped deliver the info. Like When somebody says, you know what I'm talking about, it's like when they're about to give you an example so to help you understand that information, okay? Cryptic, though, because Jesus just couldn't blast that information out everywhere, if you got a Pharisee sitting right there and you talking about the Pharisees, you're going to use a little crypticoo, you know what I'm saying, like to make sure that they're not, like, well, are you talking about me? Like, did I say you? Like, <laughs> you know, some of y'all are like, I need to practice that at work. Like, how do you talk about that coworker? No, you need to talk about Jesus, love on Jesus. This, uh, this though, is why he says, if you have an ear, then to hear. It's a weird spot, isn't it, to say that. Hey, yeah, here all these soils. By the way. If you have an ear, let him hear what I'm really saying. Now, in a rare form, Jesus actually explains this one. Matthew 13, 18-23, through it says this, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, come on somebody, but endures for a while... Anybody know somebody like that? And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. Question, do you remember what the parable was called? parable of the sower you'd think it'd be the parable of the soil since jesus is yapping on and on about the soils he who has an ear let him hear what if i told you the main focus of the parable was not the soil but the sower what if i told you jesus was trying to tell them that he came to earth to sow seed everywhere even among the ground that looked like it wasn't worthy what if i told you that jesus was telling them i came for all y'all This is buttressed by another parable, the good Samaritan. The priest refused to help. The Levite refused to help. But you know who helped? That old dirty, nasty, hated Samaritan. It's the parable of the sower, not the soil. It's the parable of the sower. He's willing to spread the seed, yet we always read this as the parable of the soil because we make it about us, man. All the time. Oh, just what soil am I? And it's good. Go think about what soil you are dig up the rocks. I'm not saying don't do it. But it might be that it's the parable of the sower, not the soil. So here's what I pray happened to you in this moment. Like you're thinking, how does this have to do with repositioning? I pray what happened to you in these last few minutes is precisely what Jesus was wanting to happen to the people that were listening 2000 years ago. A shift in your perspective. That's what I was after in that story of the parable of the source. a shift. In, now why is this so, so important that you shift your perspective? It's because we all have problems and we typically only see what we're looking at. okay? Let me give you an example. What do you see? No, it's a heart. What do you see? It's a heart, okay? Like uh, what are, are y'all? I mean, shapes is basic, right? Like squares, rectangles, circles. Uh, y'all, y'all see a heart, right? Nope. Well, why not? To solve the communication problem, I might need to look at what you're looking at, right? We could have gotten in a fight over the fact that I think it's a heart and you think it's a cross. We could lose our Jesus for a few minutes. Because we are having a miscommunication. How many broken relationships do you have in your life just because you see a cross and they see a heart? How many times are you willing to shift and reposition to understand that I've been looking at a heart the whole time? That's what I've been seeing. So the problem isn't that I'm a liar or that you're a liar. The problem is that we just need to change our perspective so we can solve the problem. If you want to solve it, you got to reposition. I have to be willing to reposition. Let me ask you this. What are your three biggest problems right now? Think about your three biggest problems. Three biggest problems. Please don't say your spouse. <laughs> I mean, your spouse might be your biggest problem. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll say it. I mean, I'm, yeah, just don't point and don't, and don't even do this. like, <clears throat> get those in your mind. Now, listen, some problems we fight for a few hours or days, some for years and decades. But all problems have at least one thing in common. You ready for it? There is a solution. Every problem has a solution. Now, you might not like it. It might seem impossible. Choose your pain, right? Pick your pain. I'm going to say it every sermon for the rest of my life. Pick your pain. I should be like, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Pick your pain. Uh, Let's get into the message today. Before you push back, realize that there really is a solution. But if you're going to deal with those things you're struggling with, it might take something that you aren't doing right now. You might have to reposition. I want to share with you three maybes that might help you solve your problem today. Now, your problem might be of biblical proportions. So what we're going to do is we're going to apply a biblical solution. Amen? Let's do it. First, maybe you need to adjust what you're seeing. Maybe you need to adjust what you're seeing. Maybe, you're li- maybe your eyes are deceiving you. I remember one time I was driving across the flats slash river bottom on my motorcycle, and it was nighttime. And I typically don't like to drive at nighttime because if there's something in the middle of the road, like, bro, you got seconds to figure it out. And so um, I-, I was coming from the church, and as I was driving, like, my heart sank. I swerved over to the other lane because I thought there was something in the lane. Do you know what it was? A car's lights were shining on the ground, and it was an optical illusion. What I thought was about to destroy me was just a miscommunication with my sight. How many of y'all have had that experience in your lifetime? Something you thought was way worse than it was going to be, and so you prepared for the worse, and when you get to it, it's just like, huh, this ain't nothing. Can I tell you something? The vast majority of the problems that we face on a daily basis are not really anything that big of a deal. The person that cuts you off in traffic, you are not going to be thinking about this in 30 minutes. But some of us will let it. I say us, God ain't through it with me yet, okay? But some of us will, we will blow our tops and lose Jesus for just a minute. Like you. you where'd I leave him? It was at that intersection back there, where the car crossed that solid white line. I'm not saying this happened to me this week. Um, but... Maybe, maybe we need to adjust what we're seeing. Okay, so let me read you a story. Second Kings here, chapter six, verses fourteen through seventeen. By the way, you can follow along in the U Version app if you're not. Um, be sure to check that. And for added fun, I've made sure to include the link to our U Version notes. Every week in our Facebook family page. So if you're not a part of our Facebook family page, be sure to jump on that. You get that link and you can always go to our Freedom Church page, freedomdeal.com. Click messages and you can get all that information there. Okay, let's talk about Elisha. Elisha, um, by the spirit, knew the thoughts of the king of Syria. And he was telling the king of Israel and it, the king of, of, of Syria found it out and it made him like furious. And he sent an army to kill Elisha. So we pick it up in verse 14. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God arose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? You think you had a bad morning because your toddler backtalked you. This joker woke up and saw an army ready to kill them. He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What? Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Have you ever felt like this? Have you, have you ever felt like, like you wake up, and the moment your feet hit the floor, it's like the enemy's armies are camped around you, ready to annihilate you? Some of you all like, this morning, bro. Matthew 6, 22 and 23, the eyes, the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. See, this is the eyes, the window to the soul source, right? This is a principle, though. What you look at directly impacts you, good or bad. What if you are focusing on the broken? Well, if you're focusing on the broken, you're going to feel brokenness. But when you change what you're looking at, your attitude changes too. Why do you think your company has those silly posters that are like teamwork? Got a bunch of dudes rowing. Like, when will you ever be in a boat rowing? Come on, man. Last time you tried to get in a boat rowing, you canoed it, and you fell in the water in 13 seconds. Okay? We're not going to be all working together. I can't even get them to lend a stapler. It's my stapler. You know, like, teamwork. Teamwork. But here's the thing, as you're looking at your spreadsheets and you're doing your job and you're doing this and doing that, they want you to look up and see teamwork because for a split second, that word's in your brain and it makes you think something better than you were thinking. That's why they have them there. It's scientifically proven. It's biblically proven as well. This doesn't mean that you're oblivious to what's going on around you. But whatever you're dealing with right now, I'm willing to bet two things. Number one, you've been looking at the same view of your problem for a really long time. You've studied it. You've seen every little detail. You know exactly what it looks like. You know every crevice. You know every crack. And number two, I bet all you're ever seeing in that is what's wrong. How would your life change if you simply asked God in this moment to open your eyes to what he wanted you to see? He might open your eyes to see what's really going on in the spirit. Maybe it's really not your coworker or your husband Maybe it is a spirit that is attacking you. Maybe it is a hurt that's so deep inside of them that it's screaming at you. Maybe he'll allow you to see the miracle that God's working in your specific situation. Sometimes we get so upset because we can't see God working. Imagine if the the servant would have woken up and he'd have said, Hey, look at all these people. They're here to kill us. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What if if Elisha didn't say anything for a little bit and just let him stew in it? You're the man of God. like God's. I've seen you do stuff that's wild, like miraculous stuff. How come he's not going to deliver? What's going on? Meanwhile, while he was asleep, and somebody needs to get this in their spirit. While you were asleep, the heaven's armies were coming to your defense. But when you wake up and you can't see exactly what you think you need to be seeing, you get upset at Jesus. Hold on just a second. Let him show you the miracle he's been working. Some of y'all right now, you're moments from your miracle. So don't you dare give up. Don't you dare quit trusting in Jesus. Don't you dare quit believing. The last 10 years, God has been moving things into place so that you can receive what he wants to give you right now. Don't quit. Don't you dare give up. You're almost there. I don't know why we went through this. I don't know why we went through that. I don't know why we had to experience this or experience that. It's because God was working You know something else? Maybe you need an Elisha. Maybe you need a third party to pray with you about what you're talking about. I know it's easier to keep it to yourself, okay? But sometimes problems only get solved when you link up with another person who's already seeing what you need to see. Isn't it amazing how incredible God is that not only would he make a way for you and allow you to see another facet of the problem that you're dealing with, but he will bring somebody into your life who's already been through the problem, solved the problem, and knows what it looks like to team up with you to give you encouragement to get through it. Come on, some of y'all need to be thanking God right now for the people God's brought in your life to help you get through the problem that you've been facing. Thank you, Lord, for these people. Maybe you need to change what you're seeing. Second one is this. Maybe you need to change what you're thinking. Your thought life is really important. Y'all know that, right? Mm -hmm. Stinking thinking. Even old crazy Al Franken on Saturday Night Live talked about that, right? I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? That's right. That's right. Don't look at Saturday Night Live. Stay pure. Okay. (laughs) Maybe... (laughs) Maybe you need to change your thinking. Now, you might think that I'd reach for Romans 12, chapter verse 1 and 2, you know, renewing your mind. That's a good one, but I want to reference Acts 9, 1 through 9. It's the story of Saul becoming Paul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But arise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are going to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. You know, I, I, this, this version doesn't say my favorite line is, Why are you kicking against the goads? Like, what does that even mean? Anyway, all right. But arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing, the, but seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, although his eyes were opened. Come on. Although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. Sometimes you're not going to see what you need to see unless you're seeing in the spirit. So they led him by the hand, brought him to Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. It's amazing that Saul slash Paul genuinely thought he was in the right before his Damascus, Damascus road experience. He seriously thought he was right. Later on, he wrote in Philippians 3, 4 through 6. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. What was Saul thinking? He thought he was doing every single thing that God wanted him to do. You ever get like that? You know, we can can get like that. We get like that sometimes. We get, we get tunnel vision, okay? We think we're right and nothing will dissuade us, okay? It's like, well, if he wants me to change, he's going to have to come out to Kevin's and talk to me. He might have sent your wife, fellas. Okay, all right, I'm going to back off that. But we'll even go to extremes. We'll cut off relationships, burn bridges just to maintain our stance as right. But sometimes we're not as right as we think we are. And if we're going to experience growth in that area, we have to experience change in what we're thinking. Note what happened to Saul after the encounter. Number one, he was blinded. Okay, That's a pretty intense metaphor, if you think about it, because he thought he was really good at seeing what was wrong. He was sure he had seen the light. And this is why the church had to be decimated and eliminated. He had to be led. Well, the most zealous Jewish leader, the smartest, the blameless Hebrew of Hebrews, had to be led around like a child? You talk about squashing some pride in Paul? Don't forget the physical deformities in those times were seen as a curse from God. Remember when the disciples said, hey Jesus, who sinned? So beyond the physical limitations he was experiencing, there were other implications of his experience that may have led to him thinking that he might not be as right as he thought he was. There's one thing that made the difference in his thinking, and this is one thing that's going to make the difference in your thinking as well. He encountered Jesus. Sometimes we gripe more about our problem than we do taking it to the Lord to begin with. Don't forget that Jesus says, hey, that heavy load you're carrying, yeah, give that to me. Because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But for some reason, we think that we can carry this burden instead of troubling Jesus with it. What are we thinking? Sometimes our thinking doesn't change because we don't get Jesus involved in the problem. Okay, we might ask him to help, but it's almost always in the context of helping create the outcome that we want, the one where we're justified. So it's not like, Jesus, will you help me with this problem? It's like, Jesus, can you help me maintain my justice and righteousness in the middle of this problem? That's what we do. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to change everything you believe about your problem if Jesus wanted you to? Well, that's hard, isn't it? That's advanced Christianity. That's tough. Because you know what? You thought you were right for a long time. Is it worth making that phone call to say, hey, listen, I've been reevaluating this, and I thought I was right about this for a long, long time. And i got to be honest with you, I don't know if I was right or wrong, but I do know this. I love you too much to break a relationship, and I'm sorry for what I did that was wrong. Whatever you think I did wrong, whether I think I did it wrong or not, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Wow. They might hang up on the phone and hang up on you, cuss you out and all that stuff. But what freedom would you receive just in that moment right there? I'm sorry. I, I Look, I, I don't know what I did wrong. That's exactly the problem. You don't know. OK, OK, then tell me. But I'm going to tell you right now, even if you spend the next five hours telling me everything I did wrong, I want you to know something from my heart. I'm sorry. Maybe you need to change what you're thinking. Last one is this. Maybe you need old bones. Let me explain. Second Kings 13, 20 through 21. It's a little bit tiny, two verses in the Bible. But in verse 14, Elisha became ill. And the Bible says he would pass away, and he did pass away. And then months passed, and there was uh, an army invading. And some people came running away from the battle, wounded. So Elisha died, and they buried him. Now bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen, and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Sometimes we need old bones. I've been telling you today that when you face a problem that's persistent, you sometimes have to pivot and adjust and and reposition so you can overcome. And that takes new ways of thinking. That takes changing what you're looking at. It takes allowing God to shift the narrative. It it means allowing people to come alongside you and help you think through and, and understand what you can't see. But sometimes what we need to do is return to some of those old school techniques, some of those old bones to see our problems dealt with. You know, I love progress. I love new things. I love technology. I love the fact that our church is heavily focused on developing people, making people feel welcome. These are great things. Discipleship is, a, is, a, is the D word in church. And so I'm glad that we can use development as a part of our discipleship process. Okay, I love new songs. I love new ideas. I love hearing new messages. I love podcasts. I, I love new content. And all that stuff is great. But sometimes I need some good old fasting and prayer in my life. Sometimes what I need to do is stop putting on the podcast to see what Jenison or or what anybody else is going to say. Craig is going to say to me. And sometimes I just need to get one on one with me and my savior. And I need to shut my mouth and I need to allow him to speak to me. Sometimes I need to say, you know what, boy, I'm not going to eat for three days. I'm going to deny my flesh for three days because I want to focus my time and energy on the Lord. I'm not going to spend Saturday looking at Netflix all day long just to relax. You can't relax with Jesus. You can't relax with Netflix. Let me tell you right now. Sometimes I need, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Sometimes you need to remember those old songs that you used to listen to when you was a kid in your grandma's house. I remember when I was growing up, we would uh, we lived 15 miles out of town, so we always had at least 15 minutes to hear something on the radio. And we would listen to these these old uh, Maranatha tapes. Come on, y'all remember these? Uh, Romans 16, 19 says, be excellent at what is good. Be innocent of evil. I'm up here. It's 2023. I'm over here singing that. But what about this one? Whenever I was a kid, I was in high school. I was really good at baseball, and I was really good at band. And we had a band concert Uh, It was like a like state level concert that I was I was the lead trumpet player so I had to be there. But we also had a playoff game for baseball at the same time. So I was like, "Oh no, what do I do?" So my parents took me to the one for the the band concert because we thought if we do that, then we can race to Nacogdoches from Beaumont so I can get to this to this baseball game. And I was, we were I remember this. We were sitting at an intersection. There was an overpass. I don't know exactly where it was, but there was an overpass, and there was the intersection. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden comes in my mind is God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me, he will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side with hope and strength for each new day. He will make a way, he will make a way. That's Don Moen. Come on, when of y'all heard Don mowing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? It was, a, it was an old bone. And you know what happened? We made it to Nacogdoches. I think that was the game I got ended up drilling, drilled in the head by that pitcher. He threw about 90 miles an hour. I had a 95 mile an hour helmet on it, cracked my helmet right in two. Yay, let's get to the baseball game. So, but do you know what it taught me? It taught me God will make a way. Where there seems to be no way. See, that's an that's a old bone. Sometimes I need to walk around my house when there's something in my house that I don't like what's going on. i got some attitudes from these little heathens, Lord Jesus. got these attitudes from these little kids. Or, or me and the wife have been in a series where it's just like, we've been fighting for a few weeks and we can't figure out what's going on. I mean, if I even got to get a can of Pam of olive oil, I'm going to spray the doorposts and walk through my house and say, every room in this house is sanctified by the Lord. We over here just going like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. No, you pray that devil out of that house. That's the old bone. That's old school stuff. That's what your grandma did. Come here, baby. We're going to pray on this. Sometimes we need to, to war. And sometimes we need to pray in the spirit. Sometimes I need old bones to give new life to what's dead inside of me. Some of y'all are like, well, oh, that's what my grandma used to do. That's what my grandpa used to do. Do what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason they were successful. There's a reason they could pray through and break through. We can sometimes get so caught up in new, new songs, fresh ideas that we forget the time-honored truths and practices that just aren't common today. Practices like spiritual disciplines that we heard about last week. Absolutely. Uh, solitude, bro? Yes. Solitude. Give Jesus 10 minutes every day just you and him. Don't talk, don't breathe, don't move, okay? Don't don't, don't put on the worship songs. Just sit there and say Jesus, everything. I'll put a put a thingy on your face if you have to, like a horse blinders. Like just Jesus, I'm focused on you today in this moment. 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. is like fasting. I remember so many times I'd call home and I'd tell my mom and dad about a struggle or a job opportunity. And my dad would always say, well, I'm fasting for the next three days for you. So while I was at college eating lunch, my dad was at the shop praying for me. So, I mean, you need some people that will fast for you when you aren't willing to fast for yourself. Who do you have on your phone that will tap into some old bones so you can get some victory? Practices like prayer huddles. Then in my junior year, I was so depressed and so overwhelmed. um, I didn't want to live. I'd put all of my eggs into the basket uh, of you know I was baseball, I was I was uh, band, I had this girlfriend, and that her dad made me walk on eggshells nonstop. Dating in high school is so stupid. But rather than my parents say, you know what, we're going to go get the therapist, we're going to put you on some medication. And said all that. You know what they did? They got some people that we loved and trusted from church. Pam and Jerry's living room. They put me in a chair in the middle of that room. And we prayed till we got breakthrough. That's old bones. That's old bones. I'm alive today because some people were willing to say, I will not let you go to the grave. Now, look, I'm not dissing therapy or medication. Do what you need to do, but, but don't forget to do some old bone stuff. Yeah. Romans 15:4 through 6 For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, just like the word was written for your instruction, these old bones, these old tried and true techniques of praying mamas and God-fearing daddies are there to bring life to you through the power of the Holy Spirit when death is all around you. Now, we are careful at Freedom Church to make sure our services are decent and in order, as 1 Corinthians 14 tells us to. Okay, that does not mean that we are against The move of the Spirit. That does not mean we are against speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit. We are all for that. But we also believe that God does not want chaos in church services, okay? So somebody runs around blowing a shofar and jumping over pews and throwing a chicken at somebody, that's probably too far. I've been at those services. But we do always want to make room for the Holy Spirit. So I've asked the worship team to come. A couple of guys to come, and they're going to just play maybe an old song. Maybe maybe you've heard this one before. It's a some of y'all gonna be like, that ain't an old song. That's a new song. So to some of us is old, okay? But here's what I want to do today. Here's how I want to end this. I want you to hear from the Holy Spirit. I've talked for 30 minutes right now. I'm at 30 minutes. I could talk till so my face is blue. One word from Jesus will change everything inside of you. So, if you feel like you're being ambushed and attacked, if you feel like right now you're overwhelmed and you're broken, you don't know how to solve the problem you've been facing, here's what I want you to do. If if you feel like these things, look, I'm not trying to embarrass you, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but if you feel like that, I want you to stand up right now. I know this is going to put you on the spot. But listen, if you haven't been able to solve the problem yet, maybe you need to reposition it. It might be as simple as standing up right now in this moment. So here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna have our presbytery come, which our presbytery is our as our pastors and our elders. And if y'all need prayer, I want to be sure y'all get to prayer first. So y'all can be praying for people. So if y'all go ahead and start praying for them. But here's go ahead. Here's what we're gonna go ahead and start praying for uh, Pastor Chuck and Deborah real quick. So here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna have our team come around and pray. And, and, and if you're in the audience right now in the, in the congregation And you feel like You know I feel good right now Here's what I want you to do If you have the liberty to I just want you to go to a person That's close to you And just put your hands on them Let's prayer huddle right now Come on is this what family does or not? So if you have the liberty to do that Just stand up and put your You don't have to know their business You don't have to know what's going on But just pray for them And if God speaks something to you If God puts a word in your heart Say it I'd rather you say it and miss Than not say it at all so, this is a team sport here. This is everybody we're going to do this, all right? So, so Shelby, would you go ahead and, as well? All right, let's just take a moment and pray. And if you're there, just sit in your seat and pray if you want to do that. We're going we're gonna to take a moment and just pray for people here. Let's take a moment and pray. And I want you to know something. This is not something that just happens at the altar on Sunday mornings. This can be every day for you if you give the Holy Spirit time. This is what solitude is about. Let him speak to you. There is something that you're struggling with that God has a solution for and he wants to tell you about it. Let's pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. First, we want to say thank you, God. Come on, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for for being real in our lives today. I thank you that you have a solution. And I thank you that you are working I'm asking you to open our eyes, change what we're thinking. And God, remind us of some old bones. God, if we got to call our grandpa and grandma just to listen to some stuff they used to do back in the day, like whatever we have to do today, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, that those old bones, that you would use them to bring new life into us today. And we thank you for it, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com slash connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and locations, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.